Friendshipping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everybody. Get it for free in the App Store today. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping! And the theme this week is... It's not about you. Why not? It's just not this time, okay? That I do not like when we are not about me. Friendship between humans has many benefits, but sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Hi, you. Hi, Trin. Jen, 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 Jen. I've been in a shitty mood for about a straight week and a half. (laughs) Yeah, that seems about right. I'm sorry to hear that. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is like okay? Adjusted for emotional inflation? Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm not like dancing on the ceiling over here, but um, <laughs> I, I do spend my mornings reading and drinking coffee and I never want to forget how precious that is right now. So that's something. Basically, my life is savoring moments of relaxfulness and calmness and, you know, kitty hugs and hugging my husband and writing books and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, just deep, unending existential dread i would say <laughs> oh yeah yeah the life. undercurrent the undercurrent of dread and surprise and confusion and combating all the misinformation flying around it's making for a really great may yeah yeah it's been a fun spring and i believe it will <laughs> continue into uh, a a hot girl summer and i'm very excited about that god uh so trin bleh. trin yeah i i feel let's pivot let's do a strong left a sharp- turn here pivot into positivity what <laughs> yeah well this isn't into positivity maybe it is it de- uh, you have been conducting something of a social experiment the I last have. few days i yeah. have yes. and we have we had to discuss this <laughs> <laughs> so the other day jen and i were editing our book and i don't know if this was uh is this in our book is that why i started thinking there's about a it? brief mention in our book about old old friend groups you may want to leave an old friend group behind because they have habits that have just been grandfathered in over the years. Like if you're friends with all your friends from middle school, you might revert to the behaviors you did in middle school. And that's almost never good. Right. And well, actually, you know, sometimes it's fun, you know, like sometimes you get together uh, with your old, old friends and you start talking about like Harry Potter or, or you start talking about the old Nickelodeon shows you loved. I don't know. Like there are probably positive examples of this. However, there is one that I I just can't get my mind off of. And it is that (laughs) it would appear that there is a large component of what appears to be white, cis, suburban, millennial men. So very specific group of people, but one that we were overwhelmingly around growing up because we are suburban and white. White boys always hit each other in the balls. Why? Why? Why the testicle whacking? What's yeah. going on here? It would appear that um, every every man um, or, uh, you know, in, in that subset of men uh, went through a period in their teens to early 20s and sometimes in some extreme cases, mid 20s, where boys would just whack each other in the testicles all all day, like a game. Like it was definitely a game. And Jen, I didn't mention this online and I will get to the online post in a moment. I did not mention this online. But the group of friends that I hung around with in my late teens, early 20s, 
not only did they do this, but they also had escalatingly intricate set of rules to go around this. <laughs> yes, yes. Like you could, it, it was totally gamified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they got extra points if it was like during class, and they got like extra points. And like, oh my god. And you know, like you know, let's be real. You know, uh, <laughs> teen boys doing this to one another as they're growing up is very different than, let's say, if this were. You know, an adult and a child or a group of adults. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yes, that yep, would be yep. that would be bad. But, you know, I, I, I can only view it innocently, even though it is, you know, touching of each other's genitals, because these boys seem to have all opted in. You know, like you can't have an increasingly intricate set of rules about testicle slapping unless you gave the consent to be in that group, I feel like. Right. Yep. That's I have evidence to support that. So, Trin, I would say this is your doctoral thesis yes. and you hired me as like a research assistant. Yes, so like you, I, went on, I, w- I went out and I went on the field yesterday. Like I felt like Jane Goodall crouching in the bushes with a clipboard. Mm-hmm. And I asked my my husband, tell me about this ball slapping thing that you did in college with your friends. And um, let me preface this by saying um, I, I approached the question with enthusiasm. It's not a neutral subject. I was very curious. I asked this question to the person that I've shared many long discussions, debates. I know this person inside and out. And one thing I love about us is we never run out of things to talk about, ever. <laughs> um, if, I, if I give him a question, we could discuss and debate it for a month. And that's like very intellectually challenging for me. Very fun. But in this moment, I said, so why did you do this? And he went, uh, <laughs> wow. <That's>, okay, <laughs> well, that settles that. D- isn't John like a literal scientist that, who worked in science for a while? He currently works in science. So I pressed him a little bit and I was like, I need some examples. And uh, you're right that opting in was involved, which, which is great to hear. Because uh, so he actually didn't in college totally participate in the ball Ball. What they did in college was they kicked each other in the ball. They, they would lift other. their foot. Oh, that's kicked. so much yeah, worse. Yeah, that was the thing. It's I know. Not a little, seem not like a little sack tap. This is like a full-on yeah, like punt. Yes, yes, a punting of the balls. No. And <laughs> and so my husband relayed the example of him sort of not exactly participating. This had been unfolding in his friend group over the course of many months. And one day he went to do it back for the first time, and he lifted. He lifted his foot. Was about to kick his friend in the crotch, and his friend. Did a very good friend move here, I would say. Some level 400 friendshipping. And he went, ah, ah, ah. If you do this, you're involved now. And that <gasps> wow. means if you do that, if you do this, you're means in. You're in. The, you're, you're in. Yeah. And I, You've presumably you're contract. never out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're in the fight club. You're in the fight club. And my husband wisely was like, good point. And he lowered his foot. Wow. Man, you know, know. what? That's so him, too. <laughs> He's yeah, like, you know what? I know. I think he made a wise decision. I'm going to take a step back here. I'm going to think it through. Do I want my entire life to be in fear of testicular torture? Like, is that Do what I want? Do I want to spend my days looking over my shoulder? Suspicious of my <laughs> dearest friends. Yes. Wow. Do I want to make sure I am always wearing a cup? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to protect yourself. I just, um, it's so weird what we've done to men. Society really did a number on men. And, a number on men. Yes. And I would say, so one thing that we found in our research uh, that I conducted online. So listeners, I've been pretty much off of Twitter as much as I possibly can be. I, I find it stressful. But every now and again, you know, I, I go on and I post something I'm thinking and Ah, uh, God, I did something <laughs> that I'll never do again, which was I started a tweet with men sound off and they did. Uh, they did. You're brave. You're brave. I'm not You're brave. I, I'm not brave. I just it's the, the it's the it's the courage of a person who did not quite think consequences through. 
So I tweeted, why the fuck did literally every single one of you go through a phase in your teen to 20s where you hit your friends in the balls? And the answer is mostly jackass. Like part of that is it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. There were basically three main areas where I received uh, data. Uh, One was jackass. It was a short-lived show, actually. It was only on for like a couple of seasons. But the the four movies that accompanied Jackass uh, actually were more culturally significant. Uh, so it turns out that millennial men um, really tuned into that. I'm actually going to read a couple of tweets because uh, some of them are just really fucking funny and I need to mention them. Our good friend Tommy posited a, a couple of different theories. And uh, you can follow him at Tommy Jens. He's one of the few men that I'll recommend you follow on the Internet. He suggested it was because we were working out the limits of power and vulnerability and their relationship to masculinity and to friendship and to, quite frankly, sexuality. In a world where our fathers were useless neoliberal sacks of shit, this makes sense. That is incredible. My friend uh, Rowan, uh, who recently came out as trans, responded, I'm delighted to have bailed on the gender entirely. (laughs) Congrats, for real. One of my favorite responses is from this guy at Dared Zero Zero, who just said, I don't know, space, space. People just started hitting others in the ball. So I did as well. (laughs) And I love that. No thought whatsoever. That's such a great, honest response. I agree. It's just kind of like. Yep. Yep. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I actually remember there being um, a phase with the girls when I was in high school quote unquote girls, where we all like snapped each other's bra straps when we saw them all the time. And it's definitely that's not as painful, certainly. Um, it's yeah. not, and we're definitely not touching each other's oh, man. genitals. <laughs> but like it reminded me of that, how like I was just like, oh, that's a really funny way to, to goof on someone. I don't know. And I just opted in anyway. The next response that I thought was great was, um, unfortunately, as a parent, I have found this phase has reached a true renaissance for me at Mr. Pope, <laughs> Eric Pope. I just want to say you reap what you sow. Oh, you know? no. I'm so like, sorry again, to hear that. Um, friend of the show, <laughs> Pat Bear at Pat Bear, B-A-E-R on Twitter, I think gave, gave me the most like legit answer, which was he went like way in depth. Bam Margera used his skateboard money to film himself and his friends pranking each other, usually violently, and released those pranks on VHS tapes called CKY, which would eventually become Jackass. I, I really do love that. Um, you know, society did a number on boys. Oh my god. That's incredible. My favorite answer is from Soupy Cloth. Because, <laughs> because we construct intricate rituals that allow us to touch the balls of other men. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a a big part of it. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a sexual thing. Again, like, it's just like, a, it's just, I don't know. Boys do weird garbage to each other. I keep on saying my favorite response. This is probably my favorite response. At Jimothy Jimbles said, I didn't do this, but I went to an all-boys school. And one day in assembly, one of the more authoritative teachers got up onto the podium and told us, quit it with the sack tapping. And I'll never forget it. You know, that is for you never forget you never forget when a, a teacher gets up on behind the lectern and says quit it with the sack tapping i mean that's that's quit formative it with the sack tapping. that's formative i just feel like that would only reinforce the behavior yeah. like if you successfully got one of the more authoritative teachers to say publicly the word sack tapping you've won yeah i mean that would that would burn through the school like wildfire and my first thought would be well now there's going to be way more sack tapping it's just never going to end at this point. <laughs> I have no way to uh, segue this into our questions, mostly because, uh, you know, I would say that if you are a sack tapping man, 
it's you. You know, you have opted into this. You have chosen this. But in these two questions that we are answering today, um, it's neither neither of the askers. Their problems are not about them to differing degrees. So let's explore things that are not about you. Yeah. Trin, would you like to read the first one this time? How do you feel about that? No, I don't. Um, I would actually like to read the second one, if you don't mind. (laughs) Sure. For the first time ever, I have a preference. (laughs) Heads up, we edited these questions down just a little bit, just for time. Yeah, here's the first one. My husband and I have a longtime friend who we will call Nas. About four years ago, he started dating someone we'll call Clementine. And the four of us have been thick as thieves ever since. Even our dogs are best friends. We were thrilled when they got engaged. I assume the dogs got engaged. Is that what that means? Oh, no, I hope I guess so. Not. We were thrilled when the humans got engaged and we were both mm-hmm. asked to be in the wedding party. Then tragedy struck over and over again. Their wedding venue filed for bankruptcy and canceled on. Terrified of having no health insurance, the two tied the knot just two days before the lockdown. On top of this, Clementine lost her job. I knew both of them had been having an extremely hard time quarantining in their small apartment, but I was still shocked the other day when my husband said, I just got a text from Clementine. She left Nas. <sighs> Not long after, Clementine texted me, are you mad? I told her that I was sad and confused, but that I was absolutely not mad. I assured her that I would be here for them, for both of them. However, when she started to text me full paragraphs about her childhood, I stopped her saying that I thought this was a conversation that needed to be had over the phone or in person. She said she wasn't ready, and I told her I'd be be there for her when she was. In that moment, I felt that there was something less honest about typing out her story. It felt manipulative, like she wanted to curate the narrative and put it out there with no opportunity for questions. I know I made a huge mistake. I want to be their Switzerland. But wow, it's hard to be 100% neutral with the person who just shattered one of your best friends, even when that person is someone you love too. The next morning, I told her I would listen in any way she needed me to, via text, email, voicemail, whatever, but I can't get her to open up again. It's like I shut the door that she opened and the handle fell off. One last thing. Her sister and her grandmother are the only other people who know what is happening. I know there are no other friends she is opening up to. Now what do I do? Thank you for everything. Cheers. Pronouns she, her. This is so, so, so much. Yes, this one's messy. Yeah. My first thought is that The headline in Clementine's life right now is that she is breaking up with her partner or they are they are separating or whatever. And that will also be the headline tomorrow and the next day and the day after. It could be the headline for months and possibly years. I sense that the asker feels guilty for saying, let's talk on the phone instead of this long text thread or whatever they said. But they feel guilty like as if they just yanked a lifeboat away or something. But honestly, I don't think they yanked the lifeboat away. I think they just adjusted the seating in the lifeboat a little bit. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. You stated a boundary that it was actually a really, really, really good boundary. I think you were right. If you were not prepared to have this conversation over text, if it felt disingenuous to you, then it's 100 percent not the place to have it. I think that you are interpreting Clementine's focusing in on her family as you traumatized her and now she doesn't think she could talk to anybody and now she's not talking to anybody. But that's that's not quite true. Uh, It seems like she's withdrawing into her closest circle of people. It's not a shock to me that she's not talking to every single one of her friends. You know, first of all, because it's much harder to get in touch with people these days and it's much harder to talk emotionally. Again, doing this over text is really, really, really tough. And I can understand why you didn't want to receive that. And she may have realized in that context, like, actually, this isn't the best way to be. 
Jen and I talk about giving uh, criticism to one another's work. You know, we're working on a book right now. Uh, and right now, what we do for sure is every time we edit something that the other person wrote or that we wrote, we give it 10 out of 10 criticism. So, you know, burn it down and let a new draft rise from the ashes kind of criticism. And sometimes we will send each other emails that we want like one out of 10, zero out of 10. I just want you to validate me and give me a thumbs up for the feelings I'm feeling and I'm about to send. Sometimes that's okay. It sounds to me like it's less that Clementine gave up on friendship and more that she realized that she wanted the zero out of 10 criticism. She wanted the two people in the world that she knew would give her constant validation, which is totally fine to want, especially in like this wild, wild time. If I went through a third of the shit that Clementine just went through, I would want to curl up on my grandmother's living room rug and have her bake me a loaf of bread that I will eat in its entirety. While she watches C-SPAN, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just like you said, Sharon, I'm not surprised or too upset that she is only talking to two family members right now. It's kind of like she's huddling up, okay? She's huddling up with two people that um, are not involved in this situation that will do nothing but give her a zero out of 10 feedback and validate her. And I think that's okay. I mean, she asked you, Clementine asked you, are you mad? And that struck me as an odd question, but it means that she cares what you think. And that's probably why she is playing her cards close to the vest. And that's not a bad thing. It's really not. It's also not an insult to you. It means she cares about what you think. That doesn't mean you did anything incorrectly here or that you were mean. All you did was a light redirect of the conversation. And I would bet that Clementine is not thinking about your conversation with her. I think Clementine is thinking every second about her partner, about the tra- the as you said the tragedies in the last couple months yeah like i uh i i i know this is filling up a lot of your brain space right now but i imagine clementine is probably in survival mode yes you know where you where you got to narrow in and everything else feels um like it's on the peripheral i agree with you i i think that maybe it's time to switch tactics i think it's great that you are still occasionally reaching out to clem i think it might be good to scale back like make sure you're not reaching out often uh, if she's not reaching out back to you. It may even be good to send one closing text that leaves this in her court because she's not going to open up. And it's not. And again, I I don't think that that's because of you. I think it's because she's realized that she doesn't want to, you know, for one reason or another. So don't encourage her to any longer. What you want actually is to say, hey, I'm not mad at you. I love you. I'm glad that you are, uh, you know, with your family right now. Don't remove the boundary. Just remind her that you love her, you know. Um, And also, I wanted to point out that this question mentions that it is difficult for you to be friends with Clem right now because you are closer with Nas, with Nosferatu. And that's also okay. You don't have to hate Clem to not be friends with her any longer. You can still love her and realize that the distance that's between you now, because you know about that breakup and, it, and it's hard for you to process, it's just too much. And that could also be temporary. So don't judge yourself for not being able to be friends with both of them. You might not be able to. And that's just that is just the way shit goes sometimes. You said it's really hard to be Switzerland. Right now, you want to be Switzerland, but you don't have to be Switzerland forever. You know, you don't. You're working on very little information, and you're try, and you're being the best friend you can right now. And there are no perfect words for this. There is no perfect friend. There's no perfect breakup. Like even if this is very amicable, if it turns out to be very amicable, it's still going to be uncomfortable. And that just kind of comes with the territory of having friends in adulthood. I hope, Asker, that you are not pressuring yourself to be neutral. 
if you feel neutral and if you love them both equally, that is great. That's fine. Uh, if you don't, it's also great and fine. Um, people can have preferences, opinions. You can feel strong empathy for Clementine and also not remain d tight friends with her. Um, I think regardless of what happens going forward, you know, your relationship with both of them will probably change a little bit. Give yourself a little bit of that empathy to suss that out and figure out how your life has changed because of this. I think it's great that you're not centering yourself in this. You're not saying, oh, poor me. I know friends and I, oh, I'm suck so bad because I hurt this person <laughs> so much. Man, the, the you stating your tiny boundary to her is nothing compared to the mountain of emotional bullshit she has to deal with right now. Oh, yes, completely. I know that Esker feels like they made this like grave error, but I don't see it that way at all. Yeah. At all. You didn't. You stated a very understandable and light preference for how a very serious conversation would go. You in that moment were doing some emotional work for your friend and it is okay to want to talk on the phone instead as opposed to pouring over long text messages. This doesn't make you a monster or it just makes you a person. There's nothing wrong with this. And I, I had a thought, I was reading this, which is um, just because the request you made maybe didn't go over well, or just because you stated a boundary and it was not perfectly well received, that does not mean you should have not stated the boundary. Yes. You know, like that is that is what I really want you to come away with. Yeah, yeah. It's a good boundary, man. Uh, especially because, man, I don't want to throw shade at Clementine and I also don't want to like be second guessing her motives. But I do think that there's an element of truth to Clementine reached out to you with paragraphs and paragraphs about her childhood because she did want to control. She wanted to control the narrative. I just feel like wanting to control the narrative around your very unexpected and emotional breakup is a very natural thing to want to do. If there are any emotional decisions you're making right now, I would say judging Clementine for wanting to contact you and get her version of the story in your head, I honestly don't think that that's some kind of like malevolent act. I think it's it's very natural to want your friends to have what you think is the most accurate version of something awful that happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure um, Nas is going to do the same thing. Yes. And neither of them are in the wrong for it. And both of them will have completely different recollections. There's this small chance that one of them is a horrible abuser that's going to put a false story into your head. But Asker, I feel like you have shown a level of emotional understanding of the situation that you'd have you'd be able to suss that out. I mean, yeah, I, I, I barely want to yeah. keep that in the episode. That's a, such a small chance. Agreed. You've known them for four years and you're just slightly closer with someone and you're kind of leading toward this side and, and you feel weird and guilty about that. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I don't think you're making any grievous errors here. And like Trin said, change tactics. OK, your next move is not going to be continue to try and get her to open up. Opening up is now off the table and that's OK. You know, I've been through, you know, big breakups. I've been through a divorce and stuff. And I and I always say it was the friendliest divorce possible because it's the truth. I can't even imagine the amount of pain and guilt and sadness getting divorced without amicability, you know, uh, and I'm not and yeah. I, there's no indication in this question whether or not the, the breakup was amicable. But because it was so soon and because there seems to be so much emotion surrounding it, it does not seem like it's amicable. And man, we judge people for breaking up. You know, we have yes. this marriage ideal in our head that you get married one time and it's to your high school sweetheart. And like, that's why uh, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger got married at the end of Harry Potter, because that's the only people you can ever end up with. And it's forever. 
And there's this feeling that you're throwing something away that you didn't work on or something like that. She's handling so much guilt right now. Let her handle it. She left. The phrase was she left him. Yeah. I can't imagine that that kind of baggage and strength and fear that is that is like that goes with leaving someone. Give her lots of room to make decisions that maybe you don't agree with right away. And my friends that have undergone breakups and divorces, things change hour by hour. <laughs> like new information becomes available, uh, new feelings come to the surface, paperwork gets introduced, uh, moving out gets introduced. Uh, it sounds like they have a, you said mentioned they have a dog, so that's like a whole can oh, God, of worms. God, my heart. I know. This is, this is so hard. They're in, they're like looking at a huge mountain right now and they're just at the bottom of it. Even the use of the word she left him, especially in a time of crisis, is a judgment, you know? Yes, it I totally agree. It wasn't they broke up or they're getting divorced or, um, you know, she decided to end it or she's moving out or any of those other the, the words she left him, whether or not you or your partner meant it, left is a big, big word to use. Um, and it, I think man. it indicates a little bit of judgment. Yeah, man. Trin, I had, I, those three words were bothering me and I couldn't figure out why. That's exactly why. It's because you've already decided, because you've decided in your own household who, who did this, you know, yeah. you've already decided, you've already as concluded that this was something she did that no one wanted. And maybe that's true, but I mean, it does indicate judgment. And which also is natural, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, absolutely. It, it's those things that, listen, everybody has irrational feelings, you know? Like, everybody has shitty thoughts, you know? And the what makes a person a good person is not accepting your first thought every time. Sometimes your first thought is bad and you meta think and you think about why that thought popped into your head like, oh, Clementine's such a strumpet or something like that, you know? <laughs> but then you realize and you're like, oh shit, my instincts are bad. Man, I got so much shitty social training. Your second thought is who you are. Your second thought is, you know, I'm gonna listen to her. I'm gonna hear her out. This is a really hard time and like, damn, damn, this sucks kind of thing. Even though we are putting, we're throwing around the word judgy and et cetera, et cetera, know that that it is natural to judge. It's part of just being a person and, and sussing out what the actual narrative here is, is in this situation uh, with two people that you care about very deeply. You know, just when you're dealing with her, I think that the rules right now are you're not going to try and get her to open up anymore. She clearly doesn't want to. You are going to leave the ball in her court. You're going to be honest about how you feel about her. You're not going to say, hey, I love you. I forgive you for everything. You could just say something like thinking of you, hoping you're doing so well. And when you're ready, I would love to talk to you. I think it's going to be best in person. So maybe 2022, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. That's 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 what you're trying to convey here. And um, Clementine might have already decided or she might decide later that you were not the per best person to talk to about this because you are, quote unquote, in the middle. And that is not a knock on you. That is just a decision that is made often in breakups. Try to prepare yourself as much as you can for a lot of information about your friends that is going to upset you. Oh, yeah. That is just the nature of, of most breakups. Most breakups aren't clean and easy and fun. You might learn some things about Clementine that make you really dislike her. You might some learn some things about Nas that make you really dislike him. Um, you probably won't learn anything about the dog that makes you dislike the dog, but you never know. <laughs> that asshole. Beagle. <laughs> he did this. 
He's always eating his own poop. That's the thing with beagles. They love eating their own poop. My head of... Do they really? Yeah. I, th- I think in particular more than other dogs. And it might be just because I grew up with a beagle and my mom like Googled it on the early internet why my dog always eaten her poop. <laughs> um, but we she used to um, go out and get a stick with a frozen piece of poop on it and bring it in the house and we'd call it a poopsicle. Second question. <laughs> <laughs> Second question. Let's do it. Jen and Trin. Please don't hate me. Okay. Before we start, we this, go. before we start this question, again, we had to edit this a little bit for time. We just took out a couple of details that, that weren't relevant. But we also want to say we got a couple of questions like this to this general sentiment. But this was the one that we felt we could answer. So uh, here we go. Jen and Trin, please don't hate me. Some background. I tend to be logical. Way back when, you had an episode about Vulcans and Betazoids. And I admit that I am proudly a Vulcan. And my experience with death is a little different than most other people. I lost my dad at a young age, did all the requisite family therapy, and I rebounded well in my college years. I also come from a big, big Irish family, and funerals are just a chance for us to drink and yell in the same room together. So I don't really get the online discourse about COVID. And I'm mad at the people who are posting stressful, depressing shit on Twitter for no reason. People die of disease. People die of the flu, cancer. Okay, if we're not dying of this thing, we'd be dying of some other thing. Other than working from home and hosting more Netflix parties, life isn't super different. And many, many um, uh, intensity marks here. I 100% know that this is true for all of my friends that I'm seeing post this apocalyptic shit online. Where is the line between venting and part of the problem? The other day, I had enough. This was a bad idea, and I know that, but I posted, wear masks, please relax, eye roll emoji, and immediately received really shitty responses. One of my friends even texted me that I must take it down. Please don't be mad at me. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. I'm washing my hands for 20 seconds, wearing a mask in public, social distancing. I'm probably doing even more than the average American based on what I see around my neighborhood. On the day today, my negative impact on those around me is far less than people getting on the internet to cry. So here are my questions. One, can I talk to my friends about their crazy, I know I'm not supposed to say crazy, but I really can't think of another word here, tweets about the end of the world? How can I bring that up and have a productive discussion? Two, why can they express their views and I can't express mine? Thanks, chill in Oakland. Okay. Okay, Oakland. Oakland, Oakland. sit down. Have oh, a, man. Have a, okay. have a tr- Oakland, you want a medal. You want a fucking medal around your neck. That's what you want. <sighs> and uh, uh, I don't I don't hate you, Oakland. Oh, I, I don't, don't hate him either. But I, yeah. I don't. I don't hate you. Oh, I he think can, you're probably express. Oh, he him. Yeah, you're probably expressing a sentiment that a lot of people secretly feel. You're just not being secretive about it. And I think you may be writing here for us to validate you even slightly. And there, uh, fair warning, there will not be a lot of validation. I once read this book written by a therapist, and she mentioned in the book that she doesn't do what she referred to as, quote, you go girl therapy. Like she does not encourage people to actively make mistakes in their life because everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to do things they regret. Everyone's going to do the worst possible thing in the wor- in the bad in the wrong moment and say the wrong thing. Um, but but why would a therapist actively encourage you to do that thing if there's like a fork in the road, you know? And that's kind of where I am with this. Like we're going to talk this through, and we are not going to encourage you to dig your heels in. Yeah, I agree with you, Jen. Like we know that people will inevitably make mistakes. So the important thing to do is to try not to make mistakes when you cannot make them. And a mistake here would be 
to express this opinion out loud to anybody who has not previously expressed to you that they agree. Uh, and, yes. and man, I just um, let's talk about, you know, this will make me feel a little bit better. Let's I'm going to go through the question and point out the things that I think make sense and I get, you know. So you mentioned that you have a different experience with death than other people. I think it's really good that you are familiar with your trauma and you know how that affects you. I think that it's great you went to family therapy. It's fantastic that you rebounded well. But I think maybe there it might be a good idea to add the word fortunately. Fortunately, you rebounded well in your college years. Um, I think that Man, I, I just said I'm going to be nice to the asker, but I already am going to say something that, that they're not going to like to hear. Within your question, giving us background, I feel like you decided to give us a list of ways that you are remarkable. I, I get it. I get that trauma did not affect you and you do not fear death. Um, I wish I didn't. You know, like you said, you're Irish. Maybe you believe in like Jesus in the afterlife or something. And that's helping. But I believe that when I die, all the Legos that made me will go back in the box and they'll build things like rocks and trees and flowers and like maybe a squirrel, which is great. But I enjoy existing and I'm not ready to stop doing that yet. <laughs> me do, too. Do you know how easy it is to just die? Like, like I just, um, it's it's not that, okay, I'm going to slow down again. It's not that I feel I like. I really like it here on Earth. I, I really like it here on Earth. I just do. I want to stay here a while. I just, um, what I'm saying here is I think that it is good that you don't think about this all the time. That's fantastic. But I also wonder if it's just that, that you're not thinking about it deeply enough. The question that really bothered me in here was they said, why can my friends express their views and, and I can't? Well, here's the thing. You can. You can express your views. And you did. You said something that you felt. You shared an opinion. And it bummed out your friends. These are called consequences. Okay. You can say what you want, but you can't say what you want without consequences. No one can. You are... Uh, you are not remarkable in that way. Yeah, I just, I'm bummed here because I feel like you really leapt over some important steps. Like, I don't feel like you, for one second, properly put yourself in other people's shoes yet. You said that you, um, you know that your friends are just Netflixing on their couch and that lives are good and they should basically stop complaining about it. Well, you actually don't know what's going on in the lives of your friends every single second. I had some family members myself that I was very worried about in the past couple weeks, and I only told two people that are close to me. And I, uh, I have also been Netflixing on my couch, and my life is very privileged and okay right now. But that doesn't mean I, there wasn't this dread uh, gripping me all the time. You have an opportunity here to just not do the thing that bums out your friends, or and and I hope I really want you to do it. Yeah, overwhelmingly, people do not feel the way that you do. And we mentioned earlier that you posted something and you experienced consequences. You are also experiencing consequences from reading people's sad posts. In fact, I think that there is a possibility, albeit perhaps a small one, that you're actually feeling really, really sad about this. And these sad tweets are affecting you and making you sad. But because your personal narrative is, I'm logical, I'm a Vulcan, this is not upsetting me, you are projecting that sadness into, these people are making a mistake. These people are being bad. And I believe that you are interpreting that incorrectly, especially when we're talking about something like social media. You know, you're not going on the Atlantic and reading an article. You are going onto a place on the Internet where people have just 240 characters to express a feeling, an emotion, an idea. So I would like you to possibly reflect on the fact that you might be angry and sad 
and that it is about death. <laughs> what it comes down to is you don't get to decide what is upsetting people and you don't get to decide how they feel about things. And um, your, your need for con to control the narrative of what's quote unquote really happening in people's lives. It's not a good impulse. It's not one that I, that we will advocate for. Is it time for a good old fashioned Jen guilt trip? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting really good at these. Should I do it? Okay, yeah. I've I've years of experience in guilt trips, so here we go. Hit it. Let's think about how you are spending your time in isolation right now. You mentioned Netflix and couch and stuff. So let's think about all the things that you're actually not doing. You are not waiting in the hospital parking lot while your spouse is inside getting tests done, but you can't visit them or go to the hospital bed because of isolation problems. You are not checking in with a bunch of specialists every day in wrestling with your insurance company or trying to get a hold of the medicine or inhaler you need. But you are also not doing a virtual memorial for a family member. Instead, you are posting on Facebook about how everyone needs to chill out. And you really just don't know what other people are going through. I feel like you feel like you have a special, special telescope that looks in the lives of your friends, but you don't know who else they're texting all day. You don't know, you don't know if, they're, if they're worried they're about to be furloughed. You don't know if they have a, a family member in the hospital. Like you really don't know what people are enduring every day. We keep talking about people who are affected personally waiting in the parking lot. Um, and Jen, I agree with you. Like he is absolutely ignoring those people. But you also don't have to be personally affected by COVID uh, in your you know, close family or anything like that to be affected in general by it. Because that's the thing about the pandemic and about social distancing is that everything is altered in some way. It's like <laughs> this is so bad. But I'm going to do it anyway. It's like climate change. <laughs> uh, yeah. Climate change affects literally everything. Um, there is no part of the planet that is not touched by human activity at this point. And so when your friend thinks about going to the grocery store, that is altered. When your friends go to work, that is altered. When they want to have fun, when they want to walk to the park, when they want to do any decision that you make right now is adjusted in some degree by the fact that there's a pandemic occurring right now. So that's the other thing is I feel that because you don't understand people's empathy for other people, you are judging that empathy. And empathy can look like pain. There are people who are just so profoundly open to the experiences of other people that this is fucking debilitating for them sometimes. And they're social distancing and they, you know, none of their family members have had the disease, et cetera, et cetera. Trin, you brought up a really good point, which is maybe your friends are enjoying quarantine. Maybe they are Netflixing and they don't know anyone who has the, who has the virus. That is that is also possible. That still doesn't mean that you should tell them to lighten up. I agree. I agree. Also, the person describes themselves as being very logical and, uh, you know, very chill. It calls itself chill in Oakland. But there's actual there's like exclamation points and like all caps at certain points. There's asterisks in here to like, you know, um, intensify. You sound that chill, You're actually. You're not chill at all, Oakland. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that we've said what we can to help them and to help people who have to deal with them. So in conclusion, consider even if you see yourself as a logical, reasonable person, that you may be having bad feelings that are causing you to act poorly and not be empathetic. Don't let your personal narrative of how you feel about these big issues, death, et cetera, et cetera, turn you away from the possibility that you may actually be hurting yourself. And then and this is how you are expressing that hurt. So one, two, don't go online. Don't do it. I need you to not go online. You can't go online again until you can comport yourself with respect, because the way that you're acting right now is disrespectful. 
And three, yes, Jen is correct. You experienced consequences. So if you decide to go against our, our uh, advice and you think that posting online is worth it, then it's worth it and you will accept those consequences as worth it. And those consequences may be, ain't no one want to talk to you. Yeah. yeah, here's my closing statement. You do not have to do everything that your friends are doing right now. You absolutely don't need to go on Twitter and jump into the, the sea of people that are actively worrying and tweeting all their feelings out. You, never, you don't have to do that now. You don't have to do that ever if that's not your thing. You don't even have to agree with your friends. All, you don't have to agree with their feelings. You just have to let them feel them. But here's the thing you do have to do. You do have to respect the feelings of your friends. You probably should stop doing the things that is actively bumming out the people in your life that you love. That's really what you have to do. Well, 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 this has been Friendshiping with Jen and Trin. If you are friends with this person who posted the relax tweet, please get in touch so we can make you feel better. <laughs> Friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> We'd also love to get your questions about anything, whether it be about the global crisis or about personal crises. They're all worth addressing. So please get in touch. Friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter at do friendship at Jen Dangerous with two N's at Trin and Tonic with fewer N's than you might think. Thank you to Ian Parman for editing. Thank you to Monica Verma for being our agent. Thank you to Lauren Gallagher for doing the design work. Thank you to Alex Cox, our podfather and audio daddy. Thank you to Molly Lewis for our beautiful theme song that gives us joy every time we listen to it. And thank you all for listening. You're welcome for talking. Do friendship at the problem. So we've got a lot of interesting discussion going here. And uh, if you want to weigh in, don't. Don't weigh in. But, you know, think about it. Oh, no, you can weigh in because I've muted the thread. So you can just yell into the void and have a place for that. <laughs> An appropriate place to store uh, the things you say that I will never read. <laughs>